This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We'd, uh, we promised in the last couple of weeks to bring you some guests that we've mentioned, but, but it looks as though this week a few things came up, and we're going to put that off for a week or two or three or four in order to put some of these guests in the perspective that I think is appropriate uh, for their best presentation. We do expect to be joined by some of our friends uh, during the course of this program, but we are not going to talk to... C.C. Goldwater on today's program, as we mentioned last week. We do uh, very much uh, look forward to speaking with Barry Goldwater's granddaughter about her excellent documentary that's been on HBO titled Mr. Conservative. We'll talk with uh, John Peterson, who was a special agent in the FBI for 30 years, involved in counterintelligence for 10, about his pulling in Jerry Wentworth, the California link to the Walker family of spies. We also hope to speak with Gore Vidal, as well as Hollywood activist Ed Asner in the weeks to come. Musician and colorful character Kinky Friedman, currently involved in the race for the Texas governorship, uh, is going to come on the show, we hope, in the weeks to come. But as people say, he's just a little bit busy right now trying to put together his campaign. But I think we're going to get him. We'd like to note proudly that we went to the state of Ohio a couple of weeks back to talk to uh, Dr. Bob Fitrakis about his run for the governorship there. And uh, we were followed by Neil Conan this week as Talk of the Nation also went to that key state of Ohio to try and uh, see what's happening. Because I think as Ohio goes, so goes the nation. Uh, we also hope to speak about our local congressional race here in Sacramento with someone well-known to the KDVS listening audience. That would be Jeff Kravitz constitutional lawyer and the former host of Panic Attack here on 90.3 FM. We hope to bring R.V. Scheid back, both to talk about his excellent article in the Sacramento News and Review about uh, the arena controversy. We're also going to see if we can track down uh, his Lebanese correspondent, who we believe is supposed to be attending school at UCD this fall. We're going to look into that. We're also going to bring back uh, Layla Anani to give us an update about what her family's experiencing in Lebanon. And our good friend Gil Medavoy will come back and talk to us about peace activists in Israel and what they have been up to. That's all in the future, along with James Bamford, author of The Puzzle Palace and Body of Secrets, whose excellent article we put on our website to refer you to about the possible upcoming war with Iran. Also scheduled next week to speak with Daniel Ellsberg, not on this program, but over at Capital Public Radio. Daniel Ellsberg's current article in Harper's is uh, a warning to us about what is afoot to get us into that war in Iran, the same thing that uh, James Bamford has been writing about. So I hope to bring both those gentlemen to this program, but uh, on next week's show over on Cakes Jay-Z, it's, it's pretty certain we will at least speak to Mr. Ellsberg. But let us commence this show as we like to do with On This Date in History. Today is October 12th, and of course, every school child knows that on October 12th, 1492, Columbus made his landfall in the Western Hemisphere, landing, with a remarkable coincidence, on Columbus Day. Everyone knows, of course, that nothing would be quite the same in either hemisphere once that link was firmly attached between... Uh, 
the old world and the new world, but uh, in recent years, Columbus Day has been severely downgraded. The great uh, tragedy that uh, European contact was for people of both North and South America, of course, uh, causes people to think that it's not something worthy of celebration. We're not going to sound off on that controversy today, but we would have to say that Columbus Day is certainly a day worthy of commemoration because it was a momentous date in world history. On October 12, 1860, Anglo-French troops captured Beijing, China during the Second Opium War, a victory that gave Great Britain perpetual control of the Kowloon Peninsula in Hong Kong. Perpetual control, it would turn out, would last until 1999. And exactly 60 years ago today, October 12, 1946, American General Joseph Stilwell, who commanded U.S. and Chinese nationalist resistance in China and Burma during World War II, died at the age of 63. In theory, General Stilwell's command was equal to that of Douglas MacArthur's or Dwight Eisenhower's, but uh, the lack of priority given the Chinese front uh, did reduce his role on the world stage a bit. General Stilwell made no secret of his dislike for the corrupt nationalist leader Chiang Kai-shek, whom he nicknamed the Peanut. Chiang Kai-shek was more interested in amassing uh, large caches of supplies that were sent to him world, in World War II, figuring that the Japanese would be defeated eventually and his real enemy would be the communists. For their part, the communists did uh, fight a more spirited war against the Japanese invaders during World War II, and their military prowess and the leadership of Mao Zedong, who was a pretty crafty general, caused Chiang Kai-shek to have to flee with a million members of his army to Taiwan, where the Kuomintang Party has been ever since. And on this date, October 12, 1964, the Soviet Union launched Voshod-1 into Earth orbit with three cosmonauts aboard. It was the first spacecraft to carry a multi-person crew. All right, our quips of the day, we have three, which come from planetmike.com, are as follows. One, a clear conscience is usually the sign of a bad memory. Two, this one's kind of topical, I'd kill for a Nobel Peace Prize. And finally, number three, two wrongs are only the beginning. And no, we can't verify whether it was Henry Kissinger, winner of the 1973 Peace Prize, who said, I'd kill for the Nobel Peace Prize. Our quote of the day comes from Virginia Senator George Allen, who, as you will recall, at first denied that he could possibly be Jewish when it was brought up during a press conference. This quote dates from that early phase of Mr. Allen's response when he said, If his mother was Jewish, quote, how come she made such fine pork chops, unquote. Well, it wasn't a very good dodge. It turned out that pork chops or not, Allen's mom was Jewish. Our statistic of the day is uh, based on a study of managers done by Rasmussen Reports. Uh, corporate managers were asked whether they were doing an excellent or good job. Well, 67% of their subordinates agreed they were either doing an excellent or good job. But the managers themselves <laughs> felt 92% of the time that they were doing an excellent or good job. MarketWatch.com quoted Robert Morgan of Hudson Talent Management who said, The power structure tends to shield bosses from needed criticism. Most managers don't think they're doing a bad job. 
This statistic will, of course, come as no surprise to anyone who's ever dealt with managers. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, the week before last was a good week for staying focused. After the leaders of Thailand's military coup ordered Bangkok's Legion of Go-Go Girls to stop dancing near tanks and soldiers. People should differentiate between entertainment and seriousness, said Colonel Akra Teprote. A coup is not entertaining. And in this, the colonel, of course, is just echoing a view we've expressed many times on this program. We, too, feel that coups are not entertainment. The magazine judged it a, a bad week for blokes. A couple weeks back, after the famously manly menfolk in Australia, still reeling from the death of crocodile hunter Steve Irwin, were accused by former Labor Party leader Mark Latham of having turned into, quote, a bunch of nervous wrecks, metrosexual knobs, and toss bags. We're not sure what actions they can take down under to prevent this, but we do hope something can be done to prevent Australian men from becoming nervous wrecks, metrosexual knobs, and toss bags. But we would request some assistance from anyone listening in Australia to please let us know at info at Radio Parallax just what the hell the Labor Party leader was talking about. And finally, it was an ugly week for conspicuous consumption in at least in Tajikistan, after the president of Tajikistan ordered government employees to have their gold teeth removed so as not to jeopardize the nation's foreign aid. How can international organizations believe in your poverty when the mouth of a teacher is full of gold? asked President Enomali Rachmanov. We do hope that the populace and dentists of the former Soviet uh, Asian republics will fight back against measures such as these. All right, that's the good, the bad, and the ugly. All right, there is one item from the Week magazine's Only in America file, which we are <laughs> unable to resist commenting upon. According to the magazine, last week an Ohio car dealership had, had to scrap plans for Fatwa Friday. This was a sales promotion after there were objections from local Muslim groups. Keith Dennis of Dennis Mitsubishi had already recorded radio ads vowing a jihad on the automotive market and claiming that our prices are lower than evildoers every day. Just ask the Pope. Mr. Dennis had evidently planned to dress salespeople up in traditional burqas and children to, <laughs> were to receive free rubber swords. This was simply an attempted at humor that fell flat, said Dennis in his apology. All right, from the listener mail department, we have a couple of items. Dr. Roger Strittmatter wrote us in regards to our interview with Mark Anderson to congratulate us on the interview. 
Dr. Strittmatter, of course, was mentioned uh, by Mark Anderson as a person who spent a lot of time with the DeVere Bible at the Folger Shakespeare Library in Washington, D.C., and he's amassed uh, quite a few references indicating that, uh, well, a lot of the quotes in that Bible seem to turn up in the works of, quote, William Shakespeare, unquote. An email from Lawrence, however, took issue with uh, our contention that uh, the works of Shakespeare appear to have been written by Edward de Vere, the Earl of Oxford. Lawrence uh, pressed the case for Francis Bacon. And when Mark Anderson returns to the program in the spring, we'll have to talk a little bit about the case for Sir Francis Bacon. Stay tuned for that. In discussing the uh, horrible Discover Magazine interview with Newt Gingrich a few weeks back, we made the statement that he was a lawyer, to which Ed, a former uh, resident of the state of Georgia, wrote us to say, well, no, he actually is not a lawyer. He's a professor of history. Or is it political science? At any rate, he isn't a lawyer. He is a professor. Ed, thanks for the correction. He's still a crappy amateur paleontologist if he thinks we should teach creationism in schools. Some other miscellaneous follow-up. We mentioned the item from Harper's Magazine a few weeks back about uh, all the missing Kalashnikov rifles that were sent to Iraq. We wondered how it could be that about 27,000 automatic weapons could uh, be unaccounted for. But uh, we also were wondering where they were getting these. We don't manufacture Kalashnikovs here in the United States. Our research has turned up the fact that uh, AK-47 clones are being made outside of Russia for about $60 each. These bogus uh, rifles come from weapons plants controlled by Eastern European states that had licensing agreements dating back to the old Soviet days. The Russian manufacturer, Izmash, says the licenses have now expired, but the non-Russian manufacturers disagree and keep making them. We found this item in an old back copy of New Scientist magazine, which they labeled with the title, Weapon of Mass Revenue. Uh, we feel pretty certain that the, uh, the Chinese are continuing to make AK-47s because they make everything else. We noted some curious reports in the media about a massive attack of the U.S. Commerce Department uh, from computers based in China. Apparently, a lot of Chinese hackers are trying to get into some uh, important economic data by the U.S. Commerce Department, and the Chinese government's looking the other way. And speaking of Chinese looking the other way, we're sad to report uh, a follow-up on an item we talked about months ago, about uh, the number of sharks that are being slaughtered for shark fin soup. Well, according to new scientists, it's at least four times as many sharks that are being killed for their fins as have been reported previously in official figures. Researchers from the University of Hawaii and elsewhere took a look at the inventories of shark fin sales at auction in Hong Kong and and elsewhere and concluded that uh, the world's losing at least 73 million sharks per year. We hope that if you see this on the menu anywhere, you will point out to the management that you are offended. Better yet, if you walk into a Chinese restaurant and you see it on the menu, walk out. Tell the management why you're doing so. And we did note, but did not mention a couple weeks back at that uh, dinner with uh, Hamid Karzai, Pervez Musharraf, and George Bush, on the menu, Patagonian toothfish, also known as Chilean sea bass, currently being strip-mined in the South Seas by uh, 
these basically these large factory ships that are just going in there and wiping out the supply of this deep water resource. It's not going to last long at the rate at which it's being uh, wiped out. All right, final item of the segment. This comes from Bloomberg.com, not a source we rely on often, but uh, this one caught my eye. Here's Bloomberg's bland reporting. Crude oil fell below $59 a barrel in New York after Saudi Arabia's state oil company told customers in East Asia and Europe to expect the same quantity of oil in November as this month, undercutting OPEC's plans to cut output. OPEC's president had sent a letter on October 8th calling for a million barrel a day cut starting November 1st. In the wake of Saudi assurances, crude oil for November delivery fell $1.03 or 1.7%. Radio Parallax would like to note that in the United States, Election Day is on November 7th. In its summary of uh, articles around the United States on the suddenly cheaper gas, which, uh, which of course has dropped from the $3 a gallon in most states and was near $4 a gallon here in California, yeah, well, prices are down near 250 a gallon just about everywhere and still falling. The Week magazine captioned it, Cheaper gas. Is it a Republican plot? A recent USA Today Gallup poll found that 42% of Americans think the White House is jiggering gas prices for political gain. The conservative Chicago Tribune said, well, the truth isn't quite as sexy. Summer driving season is down, so of course demand is down. Uh, fears that a war with Iran was imminent have waned. And uh, Chevron has discovered a major new oil field in the Gulf of Mexico. So these are just simply market forces. Well, let's just say we have our doubts. It's a matter of record that Bandar Bush, the Saudi royal family member that uh, our own royal family seems to like the most, has promised in the past that he will keep oil prices down to assist the Bush family in their political battles here in the U.S. We're not, I'm not making this up. In the Bloomberg article, Bill O'Grady, an analyst with A.G. Edwards & Sons, said that history shows that OPEC deals only work when the Saudis are on board. And again, while OPEC is calling for a cut in production to raise prices, the Saudis are thwarting their efforts by saying there's going to be plenty of oil in November. Susan Page, writing in USA Today, has noted that st statisticians have plotted it on a graph, and as gas prices rise, Bush's approval ratings fall. Now that the gallon is below $3, his ratings have climbed back into the low 40s. Dear listener, you can draw your own conclusions as to what's going on with gas prices, but we here at Radio Parallax are extremely suspicious. We would note uh, David Boyer's dissenting note writing in the Philadelphia Inquirer about the fact that a conspiracy to set the price of oil would require a lot of intelligence and skill. Quote, name me one other thing the Republicans have done right this year. And as far as Democratic and Republican antics go, well... That'll come in segment two. Let's take a break. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett.